Warning, this podcast contains no journalistic integrity. Welcome to the Gentleman's Soapbox. Okay, so we're going to start today, as we normally do, with some uh, listener response. We've got uh, responses from, obviously, our wonderful friend, Yepix. 299. Uh, Yepix has uh, not disagreed with our statements on modern monetary theory, but has said that uh, there's, there's parts of it that we missed, like the idea that uh, the U.S. being the superpower that it is, having the economy that it does, and being the fact that it is pretty much the world's currency makes MMT possible, or at least that's kind of part of the theory and how it works. Um, and I don't know if that's correct or not. I, I What I'm actually looking for is... I'd really like to talk to somebody about MMT who is a proponent of it, but is actually from the business financial world, somebody from the actual real world application versus either politics or academics. Um, I'll admit that I have a little bit of a prejudice against uh, academia, just with the idea of uh, people creating pure theory and not actually having seeing how the application of it works. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm looking for to kind of move forward on the modern monetary theory is somebody who is a proponent of it, uh, who is actually part of the real business world. Uh, we also got a uh, response from a couple of casts ago from uh, good old Dr. Gnome. Uh, we were talking in that cast with regards to uh, minimum wage and where wage versus value versus uh, inflation versus cost of living versus uh, standard of living all kind of mixed together and what the hell do we do with that? And uh, he didn't have much to disagree with us with on that one. But that said, he did agree with us on a watching The Expanse, and B, reading the book Lamb. So anybody who's going to agree with our, our forms of entertainment, I'm going to listen to. <laughs> Takes very little to amuse us. No, very, 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 very little at all. But let's start with the topic for today. And I, I unfortunately had all of my pessimism, cynicism, and just complete convinced that our government sucks confirmed for me this week. And the worst part about it is it was even for something that I'm not even uh, uh, in favor of. Uh, I, I'm sure we can, for all intents and purposes, refer to California as a blue state. Would you agree with that? I don't think anybody could disagree with that. Well, I, I, there are a few people that when I say that will mention that there are a couple of hard right uh, places in Northern California. But with that said, if you look at their legislature and their counties, they're somewhere in the nature of 75% uh, Democratic and not only Democratic, but progressive Democratic. Yeah, progressive, liberal, uh, wildly so in okay. most places. Now, would you agree that one of the main 
goals of the progressive left at the moment is what you would call a single-payer health system, which basically means Medicare for all. Yeah, I, it's it's generally, as far as I can tell, and I'm not a super expert on this, to be honest. I, I mean, I, I've tried to pay attention and I've, I've looked, uh, but I would say that that's probably accurate. Okay. Uh, now, as somebody who works in healthcare and sees how it works, my own personal thoughts on that is, is that uh, somewhere along the line, a hybrid system is probably what would be best. Obviously, something that comes from the government to help people who need it, but also some sort of uh, private insurance to pay for things that we want and don't necessarily need. My general problem with that has always been the idea of the government running anything and deciding who gets what with regards to health care. Because if you think that you needing that kidney is going to make somebody in the government weep and cry and go, we should get him a new kidney. Uh, I, I, I envy your faith in the system. And here's why I have none. Since we're agreeing that single-payer health care is one of the hot buttons for the, uh, the progressive left and that California is without question the mecca of the progressive left, uh, it's it's really kind of funny how just about everybody in their state legislature, including their governor, campaigned on the idea of creating a single-payer health system in California. They even came up with a name for it. It was going to be called CalCare, I believe. They not only campaigned upon it, but berated everyone who even suggested that it was not a good idea. And 85% of them just voted against it. Funny that. Not only that, but when you then start looking at the campaign finance stuff that goes on with it, you'll suddenly see that Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Horizon, uh, Aetna, and a bunch of others just pumped somewhere in the nature of a few hundred million dollars into the campaign funds of the Democratic National Committee in California, most of the actual Democratic uh, politicians in California, as well as good old Governor Newsom himself. That's so weird. It's it's like they're trying to pay for something. So if anybody was wondering why I have zero faith in the in our government, every time that somebody says we should have legislation that does this. We should have a government program that does that. Why my first response is, fuck that, is not because I think the program itself is a bad idea. I think having our government run that program is a bad idea. Well, let me phrase it like this. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think having our government run it in its current iteration and framework is a horrifying idea. They are not fit to run a paper route, much less the Medicare needs for all of us. And, uh, and, and before people before for the, the one part I left about out about the communications that came in from our last podcast is just about everybody agreed with you, by the way. About what? Well, your entire plan. Oh, <laughs> now there were a few people who were on my side of great plan, but it won't work. Well, here's here's the 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 big asterisks behind or beside all of those those things. The those things I think would work if uh, we could get them done. They would absolutely work. What we would have to do though 
and this is the big asterisk, what we would have to do is unite with each other and largely move forward as a group to try and achieve those goals. And right now there is so much division between all of us and so much uh, that we are fighting each other on that there's no way we could possibly band together long enough to get any of that done. It well, would work. Well, ironically but, enough, you actually just hit into topic number two of this cast, and I know you didn't even know it. That's why it's ironically enough, which is the idea of communication and free speech. We all watched what happened with uh, good old Joe Rogan over the past two weeks. <laughs> yeah, they are trying to cancel him the best they way they know how. Him. And basically, so we're, what we're going is, is we're talking about the fact of how divisive and divided the entire country is right now. And what's made it worse is the fact that we can't talk to each other we cannot communicate with each other because my, yeah well I, I have theories on that but go ahead no no and that, but that's where you know the whole cast was going to go not only are is everything screwed but we can't even have a conversation with each other about it it kind of goes into it and it's really kind of turned into my mantra when i talk to people lately is find somebody you disagree with and have a conversation with them you don't have to agree with them by the end of the conversation. What you're looking for is to understand where they're coming from. I don't care whether or not what they are telling you is something that you would fight tooth and nail to make sure never happens in this world. I don't care if their opinion makes you want to punch them out. Spend the time, have the conversation, and understand how they came to it and where they're coming from. You don't have to agree with them. In fact, I, most of the time I would encourage you probably not to agree with them. But if we can't at least have that conversation, if we are just basically taking free speech and just destroying it, hell, I mean, on a weekly basis, you can see how they, the White House is using the Constitution as toilet paper. Um, if we can't at least have the conversation with each other, there's, there's no way to fix it. Well, and that's that's really the first level and we're we're missing that we've we've managed to by the use of elite media and social media we've managed to create or when i say we i mean uh, the the very few minority people who are aiming at this division and the the powers that be this is great for them this is absolutely fantastic they have achieved 100% saturation of division here they've made it about they've made the hills that we die on politically and and socially virtually irrelevant they've made any progress towards real and effective change in our elite leadership and the limiting of corporate you know uh, corporate power uh, non-existent and managed to convince us that not only is it our fault individually and collectively but what would make it better is to shout at the top of your lungs at your neighbor and people who who disagree with you online or, or are trolling you online or whatever it is or just hold an opinion that you don't if you yell louder than they do that's what makes you virtuous and better, and that's helping the country. And it was sold so convincingly and so 
perfectly that we didn't even see it coming. And I, I, I struggle to find a way to overcome it because the only way, as you're saying, the only way we can start to fix it is to start listening to each other and really having honest and true conversations with people that you may not hold. Like, there's a, a fine example. Jake and I don't actually have exactly the same philosophy. We also don't believe the same things will work exactly. And, and the, yeah, but the, the where we differ is the fact that you actually believe that there is hope. And I just think we're all coming to an end. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's a big difference, um, especially in the way we treat things and the way we do things. But there's there's a lot of of division going out there with people who uh, I'll give you a, 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 just a microchasm example. Uh, my daughter goes to school with a girl who and both of them are 12 years old. And this girl truly holds in her heart's belief that it is impossible it is impossible to be racist against white people because of their privilege and their skin color. It is impossible to be racist against white people. So you can hate them as much as you want, and it's impossible to be racist. You do realize that if you Google the definition of racism at the moment, that it will confirm what the, your daughter's classmate says. I, I know. And and that's part of the problem. Like we've we've created these these narratives that some very hey, and I tried to explain to my daughter. I'm like, this is a little girl who's been exposed to a lot of hatred in her life already, and that's where that comes from. It's when you, I said, honestly, when when you hate a group of people that you don't know just because of of their skin color, their religion, their country or whatever it is, that's racism or bigotry or or you know religious persecution whatever you want to call it. It's it's the very thing that they're accusing you of. And and here's why. And but there because you can get this 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 positive feedback loop, this confirmation bias because you can look it up and find people on the net somewhere that agree with you, they hold that to be truth, like objective truth. Well, it also kind of depends on what side you're on. If you are a right-wing person, you are 100% correct. If you're a white right-wing extremist, then yes, you are correct. You can go on the internet and find somebody who's going to agree with you, not only agree with you, but reinforce it, tell you you're right, and tell you you need to do something about it. If you're a left-wing extremist, all you need to do is speak up in class. I mean, Be- and it's because, true. Because, and now, and where you are in Texas, I know, bit, yeah. I know cultures differ depending on where you are in the country. Where you are in Texas, if that, I don't know how they would react if the teachers, principals, administration, or whatever overheard that conversation in your class. I can tell you from where I where I am on the East Coast, and I can tell you from experience that if that conversation would be held would would have been heard overheard by teacher administration, somebody from the school district in some fashion or another, you, not the other kid's parent, would have gotten a call to talk about your child. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this is this is part of where I think we're getting lost. 
we're lost as a people because we we have bought into a lot of the lies that have been spread and and it's one of those those things where if you say a word long enough it becomes a meaning gets attached to it and then it it gets cemented in webster's right as as this is now what that means and they they've changed the name or the 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 realistic definition in some parts of the country of what racism is, of what bigotry is, of what all of these things are. And they kind of move the goalposts on us. And I, I, I think I have less trouble with that than the other part that goes along with it. Really? It's I have not, a huge problem. Oh, no, with no, that no, already. don't get me wrong. I have a problem with that, but I have less of a problem with that than the idea of you can't question it. Well, I, I think that's part and parcel with the the whole moving of <laughs> the vintage line on that because they moved it and then made it in, uh, unassailable, and and that's really what it is there. And and until uh, and I I truly believe that the if if the majority of people who who are just laying quiet right now. And just like, oh, for fuck's sake, when, how long is this going to go on? When when they're done being quiet and the majority just rise up and be like, okay, we're not doing that. It will stop. And the, the minority will have to to either swallow their their vitriol or or change their beliefs or at least be quiet about them or at least be confronted in open spaces about it. Um, case in point. I actually, and, I, and the worst part about it is, I was going to argue against you. Okay, go I ahead. was going to argue against you because I I heard something that is once again ironic that it fits perfectly. Um, I overheard, heard, excuse me, I listened to a conversation uh, on a podcast uh, with somebody who had been studying history with regards to, and I'm going to try to figure out how they remember how they put it, but I'm going to mess this up, which is. Uh, controlling minorities in countries and how up until and uh, the examples they used were um, uh, white people doing apartheid in different countries in Africa, uh, Muslims in, in places like Indonesia, as well as um, groups of Chinese in Thailand and Burma. And I, I know I'm getting some of these countries and ethnicities messed up. So Please don't correct me. I know that I'm wrong on some of these. But basically what it was talking about is how if you have these minorities that are basically in control of everything in that fashion, that it eventually causes an erosion in public confidence in things like elections, uh, government, etc., all of the above, basically everything that we're dealing with right now. And eventually, and it's almost historically impossible that it won't happen, Some you have a populist leader who shows up, tells you all of those minorities are wrong, and it just collapses everything eventually. And as my, and the, uh, the person started this conversation by saying we've never had that in the U.S. because we're not a homogeneous population. We are... are 
as inter- as much as people want to decry racism at the moment, we are one of the most integrated countries in the entire world. With that said, we have artificially created one, and it is those elites that you're always talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not saying we're, it's – when I say stand up and, and have enough of it, it's going to be a war. I'm not saying this is going to peacefully transpire. It is going to – we are going to crumble from the inside first. And what's going to wind up happening is the large majority of people who are tired of this bullshit, when it crumbles, they're tired of it, are going to arguably or or forcefully fix this. And it's not going to be fun for everyone. I honestly think it will happen in our kids' generation. I think Gen Z is going to be the one to snap, to be honest. I think that's who's going to snap because it isn't the millennials. It's the millennials are going to push it too far. And I think Gen Z is going to snap. And uh, that's the, my personal, you know, uh, just kind of crystal ball. Uh, that's really where I see it happening because everyone doesn't know it yet, but I'm sitting in a house with two Gen Zers and they don't mix well with millennials. <laughs> especially radical millennials, it's going to crumble. Boomers will all be dead by then. They will have fucked us all and left us all with the bill, you know, kind of left the restaurant and stuck us with the check. That's the boomers contribution to all this. And you and I are going to be the uh, old people who can't hunt anymore. Who've been put out on the ice floe. Oh no, we're fucked. Okay. (laughs) We're, we're, we're screwed. We're super screwed, okay? I, We're going to be in senior citizens' homes going, well, I hope they don't nuke us. That's us, okay? Uh, well, Gen X is going to be dead. And you just hit on where my paranoia goes. And being the you know semi-right-wing paranoid person that I am, my first thought process goes is – Okay, it's all well and good that we're going to tear it down and everything's going to be awful and terrible here for a while. But do we put it back together before we're speaking half Russian and half Chinese? I don't know. But Chinese? No, I don't think so. Because China's already crumbling. Because they're going through their 2008 already. And, well, um, and, it, and that's why I say I know I'm just paranoid. Yeah, I, I Russia is is doing Russia things, and China's got their own problems, which they're desperately hoping nobody looks into too hard because they're already having problems. Um, so I I don't think that, but the problem I see is we're an entirely globally economic society. We're interconnected now, and you can't have just one major super economy failing it's going to drag the rest of them down and what's going to happen in my personal opinion is we're going to push this unsustainable architecture a little bit too far and we're not there yet we're not even close to there yet right now we're just kind of seeing the rubber band stretch because the money hasn't run out the billionaires <laughs> that rubber band going damn that's gonna hurt yeah exactly um, the billionaires haven't run out of money. Power and the elite and the political class are still listening and able to be owned and controlled by the billionaire class. There, everyone in in the United States doesn't like. You'll know 
when shit's about to go bad, when the billionaires start leaving. Okay, when they move in droves and go, uh oh, we may have screwed this up too bad and start disappearing. Then, you know, oh, if the, you if, got, if the build back better plan months. had been passed, you would have been seeing that. <laughs> yeah, because the party would have been over. Right. Um, that would have been bad. However, uh, once you see the billionaires leave, you watch them. Once the billionaires leave, you got about six months before shit starts to take a real turn. Because that's always what happens. It's it's rats sinking, you know, fleeing the sinking ship. They've bilked everyone for as much as they can. It's sort of like the pirate philosophy, right? Take all you can, give nothing back. That's what they're going to do, and that's what they're they're in the in the the political class will hold on as long as they can, right? If you want to look at the future of the United States, really, truly, honestly, if you want to look what we're headed towards right now. Go look at the French Revolution. That's about where we're headed. <laughs> My kid keeps playing in uh, Les Miserables. I can't not look at the French Revolution. <laughs> you go look at the French Revolution and watch what happened with with Robespierre and 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 the whole thing. Okay, there's going to be retribution, and then it's going to get bad. Uh, I truly believe with unless something changes that I see. That's kind of where we're headed. Now, the good news is, is I don't th- I think we have several honestly, I think we have several decades for that happens. Now, something could happen in the meantime. Like, I don't know. Uh I mean, we already had a, a pandemic. That that sped things up as far as I saw. I thought we had another generation or two and before gonna, the pandemic. And I'm going to interject considering the topic that we're on one more time, which is – and it's a pandemic we're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, I mean stuff, if, uh, if you have an opinion different than anybody than the establishment, it is misinformation. And even the stuff that the establishment got wrong is – misinformation what's funny is they're being very very careful not to use the c-word censorship they're very being very careful not to say we're going to censor you though that's what they're doing right that's exactly where they're headed now whether you agree with joe rogan or don't agree with joe rogan it doesn't really matter well, but it even goes into what we're talking about with regards to communication which is oh, sure. talking to people and listening to them it goes even all the way back to what we talked about with um oh gee i'm drawing a blank on a name all of a sudden uh african-american comic uh, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle? Yes. Yeah. It even goes back into what we talked about with Dave Chappelle with all the controversy he went into, that the people who actually got upset about the controversy hadn't actually listened to what he said. Oh, and, for sure. And, and, any, and you look at the people who are arguing about Joe Rogan didn't listen to what he said, didn't listen to what was said. And it's really kind of interesting because if you listen to what was said, what was said is, and not not only from him, but also from the people he gave platforms to, which which is, here is information. Make your own choices. Whereas you've got the other side who is saying to you, we're not going to tell you, just do what we told you to. Well, and that's a very... 
make your own decision is is more dangerous than an opposing point of view. It really is to to the to the political establishment right now. They don't want you making your own decision. That is the worst thing you could possibly be doing because it means you're thinking and thinking critically. And that is not something they want happening at all. So it's it's way more dangerous than I have an opposing point of view. An opposing point of view is just the other side of the same coin that they're still they're they're still running, right? And 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 here's one of my biggest points and I I I struggle to get this out right. But no, I struggle to get all of this out right. Haven't you heard me stuttering? <laughs> well, I'm not any better than you, but I I I my one of my biggest realizations as an adult is that, especially in the last, let's call it 10 to 15 years, what they're doing, and, and it took me a while to figure this out, is the same thing that they offered in, and they explained in The Matrix. If people are offered a choice, a lot of times you can keep them under control. So what they've figured out is if they offer you a political choice, oh, you're red or you're blue, you're Democrat or you're Republican, then they've got you. They've got you on either side, right? Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you're still playing the game. And that's wildly ingenious as far as I'm concerned. I'm like, oh, my God, they bracketed both sides. It, it will even take you. that a step further, that they're also not getting you to vote for something they're getting you they're to vote against, against something, something else. And, and the way i'll put this is is you're either voting against republican assholes or against democratic idiocy oh my father did that i couldn't believe this man taught me how to think right this 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 man is my father's a brilliant man always he could fix anything he he's he has several master's degrees he's a very educated very intelligent very world savvy man he's traveled the world he's done a lot of stuff he fought in the war i mean i respect him a great deal on stuff now he's a little overbearing because he was a military guy but you know what uh, we all have our flaws i'm a bit of a dick so you know i guess we're even um but i i i just marveled at the words coming out of his mouth because he's like i'm not voting for biden i'm voting against trump and i'm like holy crap you they got gotcha. you I, I couldn't believe it. And I whether you wanted to vote for Biden, you wanted to vote for I, I don't really care. But the, the reason why he was doing it is he wasn't voting for somebody. He was voting against another guy. And I was I was floored that that he bought the mentality. And I, I it's really when I started getting worried, like they it doesn't matter how smart you are. They they've got a line that'll buy you in. And I, that's when I started really to get worried about the future of the American psyche and, and how we go about living our lives and making our decisions. What we're doing right now is so, so dangerous. They're, they're betting on the stupidity and the sheep like tendencies of the American people. And 
at this point, as far as I can see, for the the manipulators and the waggers of the dog that are doing this, it's working. And I'm, I'm so terrified for the next generation and the generations that follow that because I know how this is going to end. Whether it's sooner than I think or longer than I think, this is unsustainable in its current format. And it's going to break one of a couple ways. One, burn it down, right? Civil war. And, and that's honestly best case. Right. It's clean break. They figure it out. We react badly and we we rebuild. That's best case. Next one is Animal Farm. And that seems to be where we're headed. Well, I mean, well, if we're going to throw Orwell out, we're in 1984. Oh, clearly. Clearly. Uh, Moving towards Animal Farm. Moving towards Animal Farm, and that's the one that's always been the scariest, is is if we we actually wind up being at at Animal Farm territory, what's what's going to happen is all of the other philosophies that you know, like the communist and the socialist and the the fascist and all that, will have wound up being right. Right. Capitalism doesn't work. Democracy doesn't work. They will be able to point to us as, you know, who have been held up as the symbol of of, hey, we're trying to make it work and point to it and go, see, we told you. But all the people right now who are talking about keep making democracy work are all the ones that are in the process of tearing it down. I know. And it's and it's so stupid. And I, I can't. I wish, I truly wish, and I know I keep harping on them, I wish the millennials wouldn't have bought into a lot of the things that had like, been duped the way they have. And they, they were duped with social media, and they were duped with masterful um, tactics that allowed the current government to steal a generation's free thought. And I... I I feel badly for them because they're being used and I don't know how many of them have figured it out yet. Well, it's, it's unfortunate because you you can't when, especially when it comes to the manipulation portion of it, especially that which has been done with social media, you can't even blame them for it because you've got these ultra powerful algorithms, computers using data from billions of people how can it not know how to manipulate you oh yeah you didn't have a shot and it's uh, and that's the the part that i find really sad is they're being used and manipulated and they don't see it like none of them see it and gen x was almost just as bad like the 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 younger versions of gen x got duped just like millennials hell boomers everybody everybody bit but millennials bit hard right they they got all the way they didn't have a shot they didn't have the life you know experiences that the rest of us had to to go huh that's not like it was it's always been like this for them this has been their life it's always been like this they don't know anything else uh they didn't have elders telling them that uh yeah that's fucked 
Uh, it's well, not supposed to be like they didn't have that because well their elders didn't understand. I mean one of the best jokes I heard with regards to Neil Young and Joe Rogan was, uh, you've got the people you've either got people on one side or the other. You either have the people on Spotify going who the hell's Neil Young or the people on who are Neil Young fans going what the hell is Spotify? Yeah, <laughs> it is the most useless. Uh, 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 objectification, you know, not objectification, but the the most useless stand by their principles I've ever seen. And I'm like, yeah, because of course people in Spotify don't even know who Barbara Streisand is, or Neil Young is, or any of the, the people. Yeah, oh God, Joni Mitchell. Oh my God. Yeah, can you think of anybody less relevant to the millennials than Joni Mitchell or Gen Z than Joni Mitchell? Holy crap. Oh, can you think of somebody more real relevant to Gen X than Joni Mitchell? Oh my God. He's just like, what? Like, why? <laughs> yeah, I know who she is. No, it doesn't make any difference. Like, none. So I, well, not only that, but most of the people who actually would affect actually just have the CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't, or the tape or the 8-track or whatever it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the 45, you know, whatever. I was being generous. <laughs> the vinyl. Yeah, I mean, look, I. Hey, I, vinyl I, sounds better. Don't you start. Don't you start on me. No, it doesn't. God <laughs> damn it. I did audio. I've done audio for a living for half of my career. No, it doesn't. It's just nostalgic. Digital is better in every way. <laughs> damn it. Don't you start on me. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I, I don't, I don't know. How I wish I did, right? Because I I can point to things and uh, like you know the the here here's some things that can fix the government and get us back out. What I don't know how to fix is how to make people see that they're being manipulated. I really don't, and I I wish I could point out to people like look look around look who's benefiting from this like who benefits from the from the division. Who benefits from us fighting each other? Because it ain't us. Any of us. I, right? There's a very small group that this benefits, and you're playing right into it, and I, I don't understand how to make them see, and it upsets me greatly. You know? Just because I, I do have hope for us. I do hope it doesn't come down to what I think it's going to come down to. And I, I, I just don't know how to get there from here. I, I and here comes the thing is I think as much as I don't have the hope because I don't think it'll happen, I do know how to get here from there, and it's what I've been uh, you know basically proselytizing from day one. Talk to people, talk to each other. Stop getting pissed because someone has a different idea than you do. Talk to each other. Find somebody, find somebody who has something that you don't understand, don't agree with or anything like that. Just talk to them. If we can do that, we'll be okay. The problem is, is that I don't think we can. Especially when your, your virtues are, are upheld when you have righteous indignation and when you shame somebody else or, or, when you you prophesize that uh, uh, 
you know, the the party line is the best, you know, and well, that that this is good. that that's rewarded in our society instead of compassion and understanding and and thoughtful exchange. That is not rewarded in our society right now. And I but, I wish I saw the the turn, you know. Well, I think one the other part that bothers me is the fact that people can't even see the benefit to it. The benefit to it is even even if you're talking with something you don't agree with, if you understand where they're coming from, it'll strengthen your own argument versus just the idea of being louder than the other person. But it's but that takes effort. Oh, it does. And I, I have a fantastic example of the failure of that uh, <laughs> just in my own personal life. A hundred years ago, I used to do a podcast with two people who were diametrically opposed in almost every political way from myself. Uh, If I said it was day, they'd say it's night. If I said it was right, they'd say it was wrong. It was it was a interesting spot to be in because from a from a from a philosophical to political to moral standpoint i disagreed with almost everything these two people said and, and for sheer politeness and not outing anybody i will not tell you tell the world how much i enjoyed the outcome to one of these <laughs> i appreciate your restraint uh but i i disagree with ever, almost everything you know, in every point of view, and and we would hash out sometimes at great length on an open mic that was being recorded and punched out to thirty, forty thousand people every week. That disagreement, because it was always those two against me. I did not, I I couldn't understand every time they took a position. I was like, what? Couldn't you even say that? And honestly, you you're absolutely right. No, but. I'll say this. Not only was it exceedingly frustrating, uh, it made my own thoughts on the matter more clear uh, when I had to keep arguing and keep defending and keep uh, throwing out why I believe this and, and, and trying to, to make myself heard and understood. Even when we didn't agree, which was, I'll admit, I'd say a fair 70 to 80 percent of the time, I did not agree with the things that these people were saying. But it still, in the end, made my argument better and sharper for having had the discussion. Whether I changed my point of view or not, and I'll, I'll admit, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to, I'll be truthful, I should say, uh. I did wind up having my my opinion changed or at least modified heavily in some instances uh, because they had some good points uh, from time to time. But, and there's, it did. but there's nothing wrong with that. That's and actually that's that's, that's can, called growth. OK, well, be, because we're no longer talking about thoughts. We're no longer talking about opinions we're no longer talking about ideas you're not actually allowed to have any of those what we have is orthodoxy mm-hmm. and if you speak out against the orthodoxy you're immediately you are wrong. wrong yeah it, it, it it's it's one of the problems that i've personally had with for example organized religion 
you're not allowed to question it. Yeah, I was so, kicked out of that. <laughs> actually, so was I. But, you know, I, I once had a friend who came from a very, very devout Mormon family, and I used to love talking to her father because he was one of the most intelligent religious human beings that I had ever met. And he and I would have conversations about it. Neither one of us was really trying to convince the, actually, I take that back. He was trying to convince me. Um, but, you know, it, it was conversations that could be had. You were, I, He didn't take offense if you questioned something. Explain this to me. Does this not, this doesn't make sense to me. You know, this is what I'm hearing. You know, what am I missing? These conversations were allowed to be had. These days you can't have the conversation. If you decide to come up with some, to somebody and say, I really want to question the idea of white privilege and racism and basically question the idea of, you know, uh, something to the nature of, are we not making it worse by pointing out race and everything? If you ask that question, you are in fact a racist and you're wrong. You can't even ask the question. You know, it's funny. I, you brought up the, the whole religion thing and I, I got us one sidebar and then I'm going to go right back into it. You know, what's funny is the, I've been kicked out of Catholicism because I asked too many questions and questions that Catholicism doesn't want to answer. Right. Hey, I was kicked out of Methodism because I actually decided to correct the pastor one day. <laughs> I mean, I was I was catching, you know, these these inconsistencies and in, in doctrine and dogma and all that and just really questioning. And I wouldn't let it go. And they just asked me not to come back <laughs> after a while. But the most fun I think I've ever had is I had a friend of mine who was a uh, Jewish guy and he was a, a um, I, I don't know how they, like in Catholicism, you call it, they go through confirmation. He was confirmed Catholic, right? He had gone through the entire rite of uh, Catholicism. Uh, with with uh, Judaism at the beginning, around 13, you have um, bar mitzvah, the bar mitzvah right? in which you're considered right. an adult. Uh, the confirmation is actually more of a modern concept that was added in to keep people going through Hebrew school. Um, as they got older, it kind of gave them another thing to attain. Yeah, I think Catholicism, the, the confirmation was kind of that process, too. And he had but he had been through all that. And he used to love because I, I had been kicked out of Catholicism before this and I was a, a full adult person. And one of my favorite things was to just sit and debate and argue and talk about his perception of the universe and and how that worked and everything like that. And he wasn't like the and I don't know whether whether it was orthodox or unorthodox. He didn't have the big beard, but he, you know, it was <laughs> I don't I don't know what that is and I don't know enough about the Jewish faith to to talk convincingly about it. But well, you can be orthodox without having the big beard, but if you have the big beard then you're probably what they refer to as Hasidic. Yeah. Uh so I I don't know. Uh but he was fascinating to talk to because his point of view and the way he was educated in in uh, his Jewish faith was that to be responsible and a a faithful and a good Jewish person, it was your job to question everything and question other 
Jews about their beliefs and question yourself about yours and question other people about theirs. And, and we had fantastic conversations, which he never took offense with because he considered it part of his faith. And part of his challenge was always to challenge what he perceived as reality and make sure that he was on the true and righteous path of being an enlightened human being, which I thought, wow, if ever I was going to be a part of a faith, that sounds like something I would do. If I had to guess, he was a reformed Jew. I I don't know. Uh, that's, a guess. <laughs> that's a guess. I, I could be. Uh, but it was fascinating to talk to you because I would always, you know, like, what about this? Well, I don't know. Let's talk about this. I think this. And why do you think that? Well, I think this and because of this. And, you know, this is why it happened. And it was fascinating. And I just I really enjoyed being around him and his family and talking about their faith because it was it was always a conversation. And, and they respected uh, what I held to be true. And they disagreed with a lot of it. And I disagree with a lot of their stuff. And it was fine. It was always a friendly environment to talk shop in, so to speak. And I wish more to to your point earlier, I wish more people were like that about their their closely held beliefs because honestly that did more for me to want to join or i'm like wow if everyone in your faith is like this i would totally do this i am about it you know now as it happened that's not the case <laughs> he was just <laughs> truly a good and, and enlightened person who held deeply uh, deep convictions and deep beliefs and was willing to keep an open mind about it and, and happy to talk to anybody about it. But if that was a faith, if, the, if, if he, if all of Judaism was like that, I am fucking on board. Cause it was just, you felt good. Even though you disagreed with him on fundamental things about how the universe was formed and what our purpose here was and how that all worked and what that meant for you and everything. It was such a friendly environment that you felt accepted and you felt like you were a part of his community, whether you were or not. And I asked him about that because we spent uh, I knew the guy for years before he, he moved away. And, and you know, as as life kind of tends to separate people and people drift in and out of your life and everything, he moved away. And and that was kind of the, the really the end of it. But I'm like, why do you keep talking about this with me? And he goes, hey, there's always hope and there's always next time I might get you, you know, and, uh, and I just laugh because because <laughs> he truly believed that, hey. You know, we keep talking about this long enough and everything. Maybe I can sway you. Maybe maybe I I finally find that argument that convinces you that this is the way or that piece of evidence or that 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 talk that you're like, huh, maybe it is. And honestly, he was halfway there. OK, he, it was uh, always an open and honest conversation. I always felt accepted in his home. And, you know, I'll be. I'll be honest, if more people were like that about their deeply held beliefs, I think this place would be a lot fucking cooler. And and we would honestly be able to to set aside some of this stuff and really talk like human beings and, and use the thing that makes society great, which is our ability to reason and listen to each other. And somehow we've lost it. I mean, I never, I I can't point to any time in, in history and go, well, that was the golden age. That was when we were really on top of it. No, we've always been fucked up. 
All right, I I totally admit that every generation will tell you that <laughs> good old days sucked. I, I'm sitting here thinking about The Godfather and realizing the part in which anybody knew that you were in trouble was the moment The Godfather said, "I can't reason with this man. <laughs> he won't listen. He's, he's uh, he won't listen. You know, <laughs> you're gonna catch a 22 in the back of the head, chief. <laughs> Take the gun, leave the cannoli. No, take the cannoli, leave the gun. Is it take the gun, leave the cannoli? I don't remember. Damn it. Somebody is going to be like their righteous indignation is no. <laughs> it's, I just can't remember how, how the order of how that went. Yeah. I remember don't forget the cannoli. But... <laughs> it's like I remember there was a cannoli. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to bet it's leave the gun, take the cannoli, because the gun was the murder weapon. And you you, you want to get rid of that. You don't want to be walking around with that. And the cannoli, they're, they're hungry. They're Italian. I'm going to say that's what it was. Uh, take the or Leave the gun, take the cannoli. I think that's what Clemenza said, but I I could be wrong. Uh, but I, uh, I, I just, I, I wish we were we were more able to do that. And I, I really, I mean, I know that's part of what this is all about and, and, and we're really saying the same thing over and over in a different way, but, but it's, it's so true that we right now, you can't even express your opinion. If your opinion is not the party line, you, or the ultra liberal line or whatever line that, that the, the media is feeding you at the moment or the, the watchdogs of the, uh, social channels are championing this week. You are wrong and you are, they're going to do their dead level best to punish you for it. And I, I don't know how we got here. I really don't. I mean, I, I do. I mean, I saw it. I was, I lived through it. I, I know what happened. I just don't know how we all didn't go. Hmm. That's fucked up. Let's well, fix it. I mean, it's almost like we're in the twilight zone at this point. The ACLU is basically saying, uh, it has basically come out and changed their charter to say that free <laughs> yeah, speech isn't a really a big deal. So, and then you've got the president of the United States who took an oath to the Constitution sitting there in front of national TV going, yeah, the Constitution isn't everything. It's, it's like we're in the twilight zone. I, I, we are being manipulated so hard and, and so aggressively. I'm not sure. Like, let's flip that. Let's, let's say, let's say we're, we're okay with it. What's their end goal? Like what? What is the plan? Like, are you gonna make us all like dolists? I mean, are you gonna? Are we all just gonna get a stipend and we're all a, a bunch of peasants? I mean, is that where we're headed? Is that where we want to go? But is even that where elite that, wants us? That's not a sustainable concept. No, but they're driving us towards something. What are you driving us towards? What is it that you want? Where where do you want this shift to go? Okay, let's say you're in control. Let's say we're not able to change it. What is it that you're driving towards? What what do you think success is as a country? Because if that's what you want, if you all just want us not to know anything, not to own anything, to all have low paying shit jobs and not work to to better ourselves and everything, you're gonna 
I mean, we're just headed straight down the tubes. Is that really what you wanted? You just wanted to destroy the country? I mean, is that really what you wanted? I mean, what do you... I think it's simpler than that. I think it's, let me grab what I can right now. Fuck the future. Well, you may be right. You may be right. I mean, I, I mean, I can see that that's where we're headed. And I, I mean, and obviously the, the powers that be do not care that that's where we're headed. Cause if they did, we'd be doing something different. So they obviously it's, it's very short-sighted. If that's the case, it's, it's incredibly short-sighted because we've, we've already lost, I mean, you know, if there's nothing more of a sign of our times, you know, Hillary, they, they're, they're starting to see whether or not Hillary Clinton should run for president again. And, <laughs> You know, the the thing that always that that always goes back to me, and I don't. He may have made the whole thing up, but Lewis Black, right before the Clinton Trump election, quoted a survey in which a certain number of people had decided that they would rather the Earth get hit by an asteroid than vote for either of those two. In which case, his response was, "There's this many people out there going, just fucking kill me." <laughs> I don't know if he made it up or not. But that was genius because that's kind of where we're at. I I feel a lot of times I look around right now and I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi, all right, when he's talking to Luke. Then the Emperor has already won. You know, we're, we're already lost. I mean, if, if we're too dumb or too lazy or too angry to do anything, if we're if we're not going to do anything about it and we're just going to take the party line and just take the easy way through and do what we're told or 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 rally against our rights and our common sense then we've already lost it's just a matter of time as a country we're fucked i mean just truly well and truly done it's it's just you're living off a corpse right now. We're 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 carrying at this point. We're we're just picking over a corpse. And I know there's a lot of people who who think that who are, are you know violently saying that that is in fact true already. But those same people have been saying the same thing since you know America became a country. So it's not like that's a new scenario. However. If that's really where we're headed, if we're headed towards authoritism and and uh, you know the the great reset, um, we're we're already done. So it doesn't really matter. It, it only the only time that this should make you angry uh, is if you want to do something about it and you're not, you know. Uh, and and that's that's the point where you're like crap we are we are so far behind. Um, that's where it would would upset you if if we're just gonna go ahead and give in and just argue on Twitter and let the billionaires run us into the floor. I I don't I don't know what to you know like how do you fix that? <laughs> like the if apathy has gotten so far out of control that we just don't care anymore. We're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, get it over with. You know, like if that's the the attitude of the country, wow. I mean, like, well, it, it, let's put it this way: it has been the attitude of the country for at least the last seven days. <laughs> 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 whole, let, let, let's let's 
stop for a moment and hope that maybe, maybe the next seven days will be better. I hope so. I truly do. Because if if an entire generation loses its hope for the future, uh, you're gonna you're gonna lose the country. Honestly, that's what's gonna happen. If an entire generation, let's say. I don't think it'll be the millennials. They're too angry. Uh, I would say, or too too wound up, uh, uptight, whatever. Uh, let's say the Zoomers or behind them, whatever generations behind them. If they lose hope and just are like, fuck it. If that ever happens, we're done as a country. Done. Completely. And I just, I, I, Boomers, it's obviously not going to happen. They're the ones with everything. Uh, Gen X, we're just like, please, <laughs> we would like to uh, like not die. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> you know, the millennials are angry. I, I, I'm really pinning the 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 fulcrum on the Zoomers on on Gen Z. If if Gen Z. I, th- I really, truly believe they will determine the future of our country. I really do. I think the linchpin lies with them at this point. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It would be interesting to see what they do. Well, on that note, do you have a media recommendation for the week? I do, and it's much more full of hope than I've just been ranting on for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> well, it's one of the nice things to actually end this on. We can, <laughs> we, we can spell all the doom and gloom we want, but then we can basically talk about entertaining ourselves and maybe even entertaining ourselves in a way that brings that little bit of hope well i don't know hope sean i don't know if it's going to bring hope but it will bring entertainment and that is uh the on amazon the jack reacher series fantastic fantastic uh series i've i've enjoyed it it's very much more uh it's definitely different than the tom cruise version of jack reacher uh, where Jack Reacher is like a five six five seven, uh, little little guy. Um, Jack Reacher in the Amazon series is a six five truck. I mean, he's just this huge brick shit house of a dude who's like Sherlock Holmes and and you know John Cena combined. Uh, it's it's fantastic. W- would you recommend this over watching curling on the Olympics? <laughs> I would recommend almost everything over curling on the Olympics, except the Olympics curling team, because I like... Uh, I have an odd fascination with curling. I have no clue why. I, uh, I don't well, even understand the game, and I have an odd fascination with curling. I really liked the Russian female curling team, where they were showing those back, you know, those rear shots of their ass hey, as they were gliding down the ice in thin pants, and I was like, oh, I could watch that for a while. That's the only interesting curling you know, be it sick and twisted, you know, like I had way less interest in women's beach volleyball uh, when they started making them wear shorts versus, you know, swimsuits. But, you know, I, look, I'm old and disgusting and I, I deal with it. But Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher. Excellent stuff. Love it. OK, well, I have two. The first one I'm going to do is a book. And just about everything we were talking about today, you want to know how we got there? This book will explain it to you. Uh, it's actually quite fascinating. 
I it, it answers just about everything that has gone on with woke culture, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't look down on woke culture. So if you're somebody who considers yourself woke, who just wants to understand what goes on around you, uh, it, it's a wonderful story, and or not even story. It's a wonderful book. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind: How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are uh, Setting Up a Generation for Failure. And what it does is goes through a lot of what you're seeing on college campuses and talks a lot about the cognitive dissonances that just seems to be ruling the world at the moment. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, please take the time to read it if that's your thing. As far as my other piece, what I have is a movie about one of the true pioneers of free speech and the movie is titled the people versus larry flint oh man old good oldie but oldie but goodie, goodie. And, and, yeah. and 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 hey a smut puddler porn magnate and uh, as a icon of free speech how do you get more just topical than that yeah it's that's funny when when uh when they still had the the gumption to go, I freaking hate this guy and I hate everything he stands for, but he has the right to speak. Uh, and that's exactly what that comes down for. And even if you really have zero interest in watching the movie as a whole, fast forward to the end. Fast forward to the part where uh, Alec Eisman, Isaacman, Alan Isaacman, sorry, played by Edward Norton, uh, makes his presentation to the Supreme Court. The speech that he makes in the in the movie is pulled directly from the transcript of his Supreme Court uh, presentation. It is amazing. And if you're looking for something that will explain to you exactly why free speech is just dramatically important to our society's health. Uh, it, it's one of the best things I've ever heard. It is it is truly one of the things that made this country great and what it is. And because when you follow up on the principles of which it was written, you're uh, you. <laughs> and I remember listening to that and briefly considering a career in law because it was just so well put forward and so well encapsulated in that closing statement that you're like, wow, that's that would that moves people. Right. And and whether you like Larry Flint, whether you don't like Larry Flint, whether you like porn or don't like porn, that case was important. And and even Larry Flint himself put it, and once again quoted by Woody Harrelson playing Larry Flint in the in the movie, which is, "If the Constitution will protect a scumbag like me, it'll protect all of you." Yeah, and it's it's true, you know, and and well, it used to be true. <laughs> and and the worst part about it is is it's one of the reasons why I would love people to go and just if nothing else listen to that part of the movie because. It's amazing how much of what he talks about 
is uh, as far as being the importance of communication, speaking truth to power is anathema in today's society. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's uh, definitely, it's really definitely flipped. I mean, it's, it's, you can be tried a public opinion. You can be, you're guilty until proven innocent now. Uh, maybe not in a court of law, but a, definitely in the court of public opinion. That's the way it works. And, and the court of public opinion is a lot harsher, especially with the, you know, doxing attacks and all that stuff now, canceling and, and just ending people's career just because you can. And that's, that's what they do now. That seems to be the trend. It's, they don't even have to enter a courtroom. It doesn't even have to be fair. It just has to be the mob. And that's what we've really embraced. And I, it's a little sad and it's, it's truly inspiring to watch like that court case go on. You, you guys ought to check it out if you haven't seen it. Oh, anything else from you today? Oh, I think I've spouted enough doom. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the world does not come to an end between now and next weekend, we will see you then. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. One of the most cherished ideas that we hold in this country is that there should be uninhibited public debate and freedom of speech. Now, the question you have before you today is whether a public figure's right to protection from emotional distress should outweigh the public interest in allowing every citizen of this country to freely express his views. Uh, but what was the view expressed in Exhibit A? Well, uh, to begin with, this is uh, a parody of a known Campariat. I understand. Go ahead. Okay. Also, and more importantly, it was a satire of a public figure, of Jerry Falwell, who in this case was really a, a prime candidate for such a satire, um, because he's such an unlikely person to appear in a liquor ad. This is a person that we are used to seeing at the pulpit, Bible in hand, preaching with a, a famously beatific smile on his face. But what is the public interest you're describing? That there is some interest in making him look ludicrous? Yes. Yes, Your Honor. There is a public interest in making Jerry Falwell look ludicrous. Insofar as there is a public interest in having Hustler magazine express the point of view that Jerry Falwell is full of BS. Uh, and, and Hustler magazine has every right to express this view. Uh, they have the right to say that... Uh, somebody who has campaigned actively against our magazine, who has told people not to buy it, who has uh, publicly said that it, it poisons the minds of Americans, uh, who in addition has, has told people that sex out of wedlock is, is uh, immoral, uh, that they shouldn't drink. Hustler Magazine has a, a First Amendment right to publicly respond to these comments uh, by saying that Jerry Falwell is full of BS. It, it says, let's deflate this stuff shirt and bring him down to our level. Our level in this case being admittedly a lower level than most people would like to be brought to. Uh, I, I apologize, I know I'm not supposed to joke, but that's sort of the point. But Mr. Isaacman, the First Amendment is not everything. I mean, it's a, a very important value, but it's not the only value in our society. What about another value which says that good people should be able to enter public life and public service? The rule you give us says that if you stand for public office or become a public figure in any way, you cannot protect yourself or indeed your mother against a parody if you're committing incest with her in an outhouse. Now, do you think that uh, 
George Washington would have stood for public office if that was the consequence. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned George Washington, Justice Scalia, because very recently I saw a, a political cartoon that's over 200 years old. Um, it depicts George Washington riding on a donkey, being led by a man, and the caption, the caption suggests that this man is leading an ass to Washington. I can handle that. I, I think George can handle that. <laughs> but that's a far cry from committing incest with your mother in an outhouse. <laughs> I mean, there's no line between the two? Uh, no, Justice Scalia. I would say there is no line between the two, because really what you're talking about is a matter of taste and not law. Uh, as, as you yourself said, I believe, in Pope versus Illinois, uh, it's useless to argue about taste and even more useless to litigate it. And that is the case here. Uh, the jury has already determined for us that this is, is a matter of taste and not a matter of law because th they've said that there is no libelous speech, that nobody could reasonably believe that Hustler was actually suggesting that Jerry Falwell had sex with his mother. So why did Hustler have him and his mother together? Hustler puts him and his mother together in, in an example of literary uh, travesty, if you will. And what public purpose does this serve? Well, it serves the same public purpose as having Gary Trudeau say that Reagan has no brain or that George Bush is a wimp. It lets us look at public figures a little bit differently. We, we have a long tradition in this country of satiric commentary. Now, if, if Jerry Falwell can sue uh, when there has been no libelous speech purely on the grounds of emotional distress, then so can other public figures. And imagine, if you will, suits against people like Gary Trudeau and Johnny Carson for what he says on The Tonight Show tonight. Obviously, when, when people criticize uh, public figures, they're going to experience emotional distress. We all know that. It, it's the easiest thing in the world to claim, and it's impossible to refute, and that's what makes it a meaningless standard. Really, all it does is allow us to punish unpopular speech. And, and this country is founded, at least in part, uh, on the firm belief that unpopular speech is absolutely vital to the health of our nation.